Well, good morning. We're so glad you guys are here. You braved the weather. Weather you didn't melt, and so we're happy that you are here with us. And so, uh, if you are new, we're especially excited you took some time to spend with us today. Stop by the Welcome Center. I think they said that, but we have a gift for you just for being here. Uh, this weekend, we are missing a lot of people, and especially if your kids are back in students. We had our winter retreat. They took almost 40 kids, uh, so a bunch of middle schoolers and high schoolers. All that to say, don't forget to pick up your kids, because they had to be picked up today down at White Mills. Uh, and so, if you're here, just remember to pick up your kids, or you're watching online, pick up your kids. Also, one of the big things we love to do is we love to partner with our local schools. Uh, we love to support. We have a lot of teachers and administrators uh, that come here to Journey. And so uh, every, the, I say every year, last year, uh, we started a new event where we do Easter egg hunts for the schools. We show up the week before Easter. We just show up with eggs and candy and we do an egg hunt. The kids love it. The parent, teachers love it because they get out of the classroom for an hour. And so it is a lot of fun. And so we need candy for that. We have tons of eggs. We do not need any eggs, but we need you guys to donate some candy. And so you can donate that all the way up until March 27th, and then we're going to sort all the candy and all that and separate it for the schools. But we would love for you guys to participate with us uh, in that, and we love doing that for the local schools here in the county. Now, best way to stay connected, because there's a whole lot of other stuff coming up. Easter is just around the corner. We'll talk about Easter a little bit more here in a few weeks, uh, but there's a lot of stuff. Download the app. It's the best way to stay connected, or you can get on our Facebook and see all the stuff coming up. It's the best way to give as well with the app. Uh, podcast, we just released a new one. We'll release a new one this week. And so we hope you guys are listening and enjoying that as well. Now, last week we started a new series, and we're doing something a little bit different uh, than what we normally do. And so we are taking a look at one specific uh, book. Now, when I say book, this book was actually originally a letter written to a specific audience, a specific church in a town called Philippi. And so we talked about kind of the background of that last week. So this is a letter that is written to a group of people. And so Paul is the author of this letter, and we're looking at it. And one thing that's nice about this list you guys can go ahead and read ahead and kind of know where we're going to go. And in fact, we encourage all of you all to take some time this month and to read the book of Philippians. It's only four chapters, and so it doesn't take you that much time. And so make sure you guys know. Now, this week, we are continuing this idea. And last week, we talked about the idea that when you think about the Bible, it's a collection of books and letters that have been put together to make one book. But it's actually several different books and letters from the different audiences of people with different intents all along. But it all has ideas that come out of it about what God wants from us and ways we can live uh, in order to be more in line with what God has in store for us and in mind for us as human beings. Now, last week, we introduced what we're going to talk about today. And today is going to be incredibly uncomfortable for some of us in this room because of the topic that Paul brings up that I think is so prevalent in our lives and in our community. And so in Philippians chapter 2, it says this, Therefore, if you have any encouragement, anytime you see the word therefore, you need to say, why is that therefore? Okay? And so it's connecting an idea. Remember when Paul wrote this, he didn't write it in chapters and verses. There were no numbers, okay, next to sentences. It was all written as one kind of letter. And so what he's talking about is this idea of last week, we talked about him suffering and the people suffering. And so therefore, if there's any encouragement, even while you're going through this, from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. So he's talking about kind of doing this in unity. So what's he going to ask us to do in unity? All right, here's the hard part for us, especially as Americans. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the 
others. Now, this is a big deal. Let's leave it up there for a second. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Okay, so I'll just speak for myself, and I'll just assume that some of you would agree with this statement. Um, There are very few choices that I make that don't come from a selfish place, right? In fact, most of the choices that I make have a selfish component to them. And I would assume that most of us in this room are very similar. Part of that is we're groomed culturally. Part of that, and we're going to get on parents here in a little bit, so just be prepared, but I'm getting on myself because I'm a parent. Part of that is stuff that we teach our kids, right? And so we have this cultural thing that now is in contrast with something the Bible is going to teach. And I'm going to tell you why this is such a big deal and why I actually think we need to pay attention. Now, remember, this is a letter that was written 2,000 years ago. What we're going to talk about today, Paul would have had no context for the stuff that we're now learning about ourselves as human beings, okay? So this is the origin. This is a big deal, though. So let's move on from that, okay? It is this. Do you know anyone that always makes it about themselves? All right, here's a question. You don't have to, and you don't have to answer this out loud. In fact, it'd probably be better if you didn't. Don't elbow anybody. Um, are you someone that always makes it about yourself? This is how we operate. This is how we do. We always make it about. And, and, and do you know, and I'm, I'm going to get in trouble. Do you, do you know how I know that most of us in this room always make it about ourselves? Because I have a Facebook and an Instagram. <laughs> I don't understand the point of Instagram other than making it all about yourself. I'll be honest with you, I I literally, I'm not trying to knock it. I know it's a part of our world, social media. I don't understand the point of it other than making it about yourself. And and, and this is how we operate. And so let me say why I bring all that up, because I want to be honest with you. And and you don't have to admit this to anybody else. So everything I'm about to say, you don't have to admit to anybody, other human being that ever lives. Just for yourself, be honest. Because here's what I know. I've been doing this for 20 years. And here's the trend I'm seeing more and more. The more I talk to people, the more I counsel people, the more I observe people, and the more I take a look at my own heart, we are miserable. Have you ever met somebody that's just angry all the time? And you don't know why. They're just angry. Everything just sets them up. And it doesn't even take much. Like They're just always angry about something. You ever have somebody that's just stressed out all the time, anxious all the time? You don't have to answer this for anybody else. You don't have to ever admit this. But do you ever feel like you just don't measure up? See, here's the big idea. As long as you make it always about you, you are robbing yourself of the happiness and the health that could be there. As long as you always make it about you, and I'll be honest with you, My concern is that we are shifting into a world and there is a generation of people and actually multiple generations, according to the experts, that they've only make it about themselves because they've been groomed and taught to make it about themselves. And here's what you need to know. You cannot fully fulfill you. You just can't. In fact, to be honest with you, the thing is, and so let's just be honest for a second, only with ourselves, I get it. Some of us believe that if we were the right size, we had the right income, we had the right influence, the right car, the right everything, 
If we had that, then we would be happy and healthy and fulfilled. It's a lie. And you know why it's a lie? Because the people that you want to be their size and the people that you want to drive their car and the people you want to live where they live and the people you want to have the influence they have, ready, ready for this? They're probably just as miserable as you are. And so there's this thing where we believe that if we have a certain lifestyle and a certain way and a certain health and we look a certain way and we, we do this, then possibly I'd be happy. But here's the thing you have to know. You cannot acquire, consume, or exercise your way to complete happiness. You just can't. And, and there's study after study after study. Like you don't even have to believe anything that I just said. You just have to look at the research. You just need to talk to some psychologists. Talk to the mental health experts that are out there. Talk to your doctor, okay? The people that they're having to prescribe all of these medications for, and a lot of it is stuff because we have this idea that if we just make it about us and if we fulfill ourselves and all these things, then we'll be happy. But the reality is it doesn't work that way. In fact, Paul would say part of the problem that many of us face, and I'll just say it for me because I don't want to speak for you, is that we operate from a place of selfish ambition and vain conceit. It's just reality. It's a part of our world. And, and here's the thing. If you don't believe anything that I just said, or you argue with it in your head, or you've already shut me off because you just think, well, here he's going to talk about this. Listen, I don't have any agenda with what I'm about to share with you other than information and your personal health and happiness. And the other thing is what I'm about to talk about now. If you don't believe me, here's the thing. Stop listening to me, get your phone out, and just start doing a little research for yourself. Because everything I'm about to tell you is readily available on a thing called the World Wide Web. All right? Okay, so just a little digging, right? Don't believe me. There is research upon research upon research, and it's almost overwhelming based on the way that we choose to live versus the research that we're seeing, that there is actually a connection, ready for this, between happiness and selflessness, there is actually a connection between health and selflessness. There's actually connections that they're seeing between happiness, health, and being able to give of yourself, to give of your time, and to give of your resources. Okay? So you don't believe me. You don't want to listen to the Bible. We talked about 2,000 years ago. All right? Here, here's the thing. University of Chicago did a project in 2007. So it's not that old. And here's what they did. They went around and they asked a whole bunch of people that do work, because most of us work and have jobs, and they wanted to find out what are the most fulfilling jobs or what are the most fulfilling careers. So I'm not telling you any of this because I want to be like, you chose the wrong career, okay? So don't, don't hear that, okay? But they made a list based on just the research they found, which is the responses of people, as to what are the most fulfilling and what are the most fulfilling jobs and fulfilling careers. And here was the overwhelming majority of people that felt the most, okay, satisfied with their careers, fulfilled with their jobs and the way it made them live. Hear it? They were the people that taught others, protected others, or had creative pursuits that they thought made the world a better place. So the overwhelming majority of people that felt satisfied in their careers were people that taught others, protected others, sorry, cared for others, or had some type of creative pursuit. Teaching, protecting, caring, and creativity. Those were the overwhelming, most satisfying jobs. Now, here's the part they weren't expecting. And this is what's fascinating. There was no correlation between the satisfaction that people felt in those careers and income. 
In fact, what they found, if people basically had enough to pay the bills, eat and live indoors, that's all that mattered. They felt as long as they could do those things, the satisfaction that they had with their careers, their job happiness was when they taught, cared for other people, protected other people, and offered something they thought was creative to make the world a better place. So there's that information. Then in 2010, there was a study done over in Britain, and they took 40 uh, different studies that they kind of meshed together. This is 20 years of research, and this is amazing. And the simple question was, is there a connection between happiness and selflessness? Okay, what they're really trying to figure out is this idea of altruism, which is the idea of that you only give of yourself. So is there a connection between how we were created and this idea of selflessness? Now, this is a secular study. It's not done by churches or ministers or anything like that. So it took 40 studies that have been done over 20 years. And here was the question they asked. They asked if you regularly volunteered or found ways to give back to your community. So this could be volunteering at schools, volunteering at churches, at soup kitchens, doing something within your community that you felt like made the world a better place. What they found over and over again in 20 years of study is that the people that on a regular, so this isn't like, yeah, five years ago, I I went to a soup kitchen, right? This wasn't like two months ago for the first time ever, and I'll never do it again. I volunteered in kids, okay? Like that's not not what they're talking about. These are about the people that regularly took time out of their busy schedules and life to actually give back in some way. What they found in the research was that those people overwhelmingly suffered less from depression. They were less at risk of heart disease, which I don't understand the correlation there. I guess until the next part, they had less stress and less anxiety. And all it was was people that got outside of themselves and gave back. There was another study I found. This one blew my mind, all right? I didn't know much about tinnitus, okay? So maybe some of you are like, you should have known about it. But tinnitus is this thing that happens in an area where there's like this constant ringing. Maybe some of you have it. You have it to very, very different degrees. It sounds terrible to always have a constant ringing in my ear, okay? But tinnitus is people that suffer from it severely to the point. Sorry, I just ate drink a Coke. And so to suffer from it to the point where actually there have been people that have actually taken their own lives because it's this constant ringing in this ear and it drives them crazy and they can't sleep, they can't focus, they can't think. In fact, there's this one study I found from this guy where it was so bad that he was heavily medicated, like basically like a zombie just so he could survive because he couldn't sleep because he had this tinnitus. So there was a suggestion that was presented to him. This happened in Phoenix, Arizona, where the suggestion was, hey, you know, what if you went and you like served somewhere? Now, this guy's like suffering from severe tinnitus. I'm sure his thought was like, that's going to help to go to a soup kitchen. There's a ringing in my ear, you know? So, but what happened was amazing. So he goes to this soup kitchen and the thought was, maybe if you find somebody that's actually suffering more than you are, and you help them, maybe for some reason that would help with your tinnitus. Now, he goes into this study or into this, this, this opportunity completely not believing it's going to help. What he found was amazing, that when he was serving these people, he was able to manage in his brain somehow and separate the constant ringing from the focus and the goal of what he had to do. So much so that he actually created a program for people with tinnitus in which to give them opportunities to go serve at different places in their communities. And the overwhelming majority of people that get involved in the program say that it bothers them less, that they can focus more, and they even some said they don't even notice it anymore in these opportunities. 
Now, parents, are you ready for this one? This one's amazing. You're not even going to believe this. There was a study done in Los Angeles in 2012, and they were trying to focus on teenagers. And there's a problem in Los Angeles with a lot of the teenagers and crime and all this stuff. And so here's what they found. They started studying teenagers who were regularly, systematically volunteered somewhere. And what they found in this study was that teenagers that volunteered were far less likely to suffer from drug abuse, unplanned pregnancies, and depression. And this is actually what the study said. This is awesome. Even if you have to force your teenager to volunteer, force them to volunteer, that volunteering with a bad attitude will still have positive results. (laughs) Your teenager already has a bad attitude about everything, right? So why not make them volunteer? The other thing that they found was that teenagers who volunteer are 10 times more likely to volunteer as adults as opposed to teenagers who were never encouraged to volunteer or forced to volunteer. And consequently, they found that even if they were forced to volunteer, they still benefit from some of the same psychological and mental benefits as other teenagers who were not forced to. So here's the thing. How is there a connection that research is showing between psychological well-being where people are healthier physically healthier, and they have higher self-esteem just by serving and volunteering and getting outside of themselves. There was one study that I even found that there is clinical researches that volunteering and mentoring may even help your immune system. I can't explain that one, right? But there's all of this information, and there's hundreds of them. I mean, just Google it this afternoon and just have some fun with it, okay? And how can all of this be? There's this inclination, your natural inclination, listen, is to always make it about yourself. And yet all the people that we know that always make it about themselves are miserable. And there's all of this research out there that's being done that essentially says the exact opposite, that selflessness actually leads to happiness and overall better health. And Paul, 2,000 years ago, gives us part of that. So here's the question. Ready? What's going on? How is it that emptying myself can make me feel so full? And how is it that learning to be selfless actually leads to happiness and better health? Are you ready? Design. We were created and designed to live with open hands. And not only were you created for that, But our example of what God desires in humans was put on full display in Jesus, centers on the one idea that even the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The New Testament that Paul writes, and along with John and Peter, over and over again, they have these one another statements that we are called to love one another, care for one another, serve one another, forgive one another, carry one another's burdens to one another, one another, and in this we fulfill the design and the plan that God has for our life. Selfishness, nobody has to learn, and it's making us miserable. Selfishness almost seems to come naturally because we have culturally been groomed and driven towards it. And some of that, and I'll be honest with you, is taking place within our homes, Now, the Apostle Paul, 
in another letter he writes to a church in Galatia. It's another Roman province, another group of people going through some stuff. And what he's going to do, and we're going to take a look at it here in a second, is he wants to give us two stark approaches to life. There's a life where you can make it all about you and, and what your desires are and make it all about you fulfilling the needs that you have. Or there's an approach where you think about other people and you wrap your life around a different set of ideas. And so he's going to give us two kind of stark contrasts in this thing. And he's going to write this and expand on this idea in Galatians chapter 5. Now, these verses are something that some of you might be familiar with. But in Galatians 5, he says this in verse 13. You, my brothers and sisters, so he's talking to them, but also to us today, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So, in fact, in Galatians 5, earlier in this, he says that the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So for all of you that are trying to figure out this whole God thing, you think it's all confusing, here's what he says. He says, love one another, love your neighbor as yourself, And the only thing that matters, so the only thing that matters of all of this that we do, all of this pomp and circumstance that we think is Christianity, is faith expressing itself through love. He says, for the entire loss of fulfilled keeping this. And then here's this line, and this is what's interesting. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, for you will be destroyed by each other. Now, it almost sounds like he just changed, like all of a sudden, like he's just like, oh, here's this thing. Until you think about it. Who are the people that bite and devour each other? The people that only think about themselves, right? The the people that only are concerned with their feelings and their emotions and how this is going to offend them and this type of thing. These are the people that bite and devour each other. And so it's like this warning. And so he's going to give us the acts of the flesh. Now, when he says the acts of the flesh, what he's talking about is sinful nature. And I realize that nobody in this room likes to be told that they're sinful. but, but, But here's what he's saying. He's saying, these are the things that become just about you. And so he's going to list them. The acts of the flesh are obvious, ready? Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. Uh, Debauchery is just a great word, isn't it? Debauchery. You're you're debaucherous. All right. Idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Now, leave that up there for a second. When you look at that list, like there's a couple of them where like, well, yeah, you know, like witchcraft sounds pretty evil, right? You know, um, you know, this type of thing. But um, when you look at this list, here's what almost all of these things have in common. All of these things are things that people, including us in this room, do and engage in that only benefit us. You think about, well, fits of rage, how does that benefit it? Well, do you know somebody's just angry all the time and they're always having fits of rage? It's because they feel like they can just treat people however they want and do whatever they want. That's about them. They're not taking into consideration that everybody around them has to walk on eggshells, right? Or jealousy. Like, jealousy is really all just about you, right? We don't think of it that way, but it is. So everything in this list, for the most part, is is about, it's a you-focused kind of thing. And, and here's the thing, what we're saying is when you look at this list, this is all about, and you know what else is crazy? Almost all of these things are about your personal desires, ready, at the expense of somebody else. Almost all of these things, when played out fully, will ultimately cost somebody else something. And you know why these are so dangerous? 
a lot of these things, they're associated, we talked about this before, they're associated with appetites. Do you know why it's so dangerous to be selfish? It's because whenever you're selfish, you only make decisions about yourself, you're feeding the appetite. And here's the thing about appetites. And we know this because we know this about food. So the danger of an appetite is this. When you're hungry, you fill yourself up with stuff. So the physical act of filling yourself up. But when you eat too much, you consume too much, what happens? Your stomach starts to expand. And so the next time you have to eat even more, and eventually you get to the place that you feed an appetite enough, it grows and it grows and it grows, but it's never fully and finally satisfied. And so you get frustrated, you get angry. So here's what he says, okay, so there's that list. So this is the stuff that's all about us, but then there's another list and he calls this the fruits of the spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are all about outward expression. Ready? The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, in stark contrast, look at this list. Almost everything on this list is about acting out for others. These are things that you put on display that actually, ready, benefit other people. So love obviously benefits other people. Being a joyful person benefits others. Being a person of peace benefits other people. Being kind is about how you treat other people. Think about forbearance. Forbearance is just about patience, right? How how many of you all would say, I would just like my spouse to be a little bit more patient, right? Or how about goodness? I'm going to do the right thing even if it costs me. Faithfulness, ready, is about trust. It's about being able to trust somebody. You know what's scary? There's a study came out a couple years ago that most of us in this room, we can count on one hand the number of people that we actually really trust. Think about that. Most of us in this room, if we were really honest, the people we really totally trust, we could probably count on one hand. Gentleness, I'm going to leverage my power for your benefit and self-control. And so what he says is these are the things that when you think about it, these fruits of the Spirit, these are all attitudes and things that we do that are actually others-focused, not just myself. And then he gives this brilliant line right at the end of this. He says this, against such things, there is no law. Now, why would there be no law against doing these things? All right, here's why. Imagine a family or your current family characterized by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know what that means? That means that we're always looking out for the better for other people. And while we're looking for the best thing for them, they're looking for the best thing for us, right? And so you have this attitude, you have this environment where we're committed to the best for each other. I'm in it for what's best for you. You're in it for what's best for me. And so we're committed to this. So let's take it beyond the family. Think about a community, our community, where everybody operates in a way that we're always focused on what's best for the other person. You're committed to what's in my best interest, and I'm committed to what's in your best interest, right? If you had a community of people that were always focused on being committed to each other's interest and what's best for the other person, you wouldn't need any law, would you? 
and you'd be able to figure out almost any problem. And we could solve just about any problem and we could actually sleep at night without any fear because we might actually be able to get along together for maybe the first time in human history. So imagine a family, imagine a community, imagine a nation that actually operated like that. And then here's the other part of it. If we operated like that, can you imagine how much less our stress levels would be, our anxiety? If you lived in a world where people honestly, truly wanted the best for each other. Selfishness seems to come natural, but it is not by design. Now, you may have just completely disagreed with everything that I said, and well, that's like a fairy tale, and that's a pipe dream, and we're never going to live in a world like that. Okay, here's more evidence that this is true, that the best way to live is to be others-focused, okay? The best way to live. Okay, you ready for this? How do you measure the value of a life? It's really simple. How do you actually measure the value of a life? So part of my job is I have to do funerals for people. And what's crazy, and we don't like to think about this, but the statistics on death are pretty amazing. One out of every one of you listening right now is going to die. Pretty overwhelming statistics. And you can, you can prolong it as long as you can. I'm not trying more, but all of us are going to die. And most of us are going to have a funeral, a memorial service, or somebody's going to say, at least try to say something nice about us, all right? Do you know why, how I measure and how we can measure the value of a life? When you do a funeral or memorial or you do a eulogy for somebody, you never talk about how selfish the person was, even if they were. And I've done a lot of funerals, I'll I'll be honest, where we've got to dig really deep to find examples of the ways in which they weren't selfish. But what we do at funerals is we like to talk about how they gave their life away even if they didn't. That's what we talk about, right? The value of a life is what they did for others, how they cared for others, how they treated others. The value of a life, you know how you tell the value of a life is what people say at the end of a life. The value of a life is always measured by how much of it was given away. Now, that will help you in life. But for those of us that are Christians, and I'm assuming a lot of us are, I know not all of us are, and we're still figuring this thing out, but you know, that will help you, knowing that it's better for your mental health and your overall happiness just to give some of your time and to think about other people, knowing that we could actually possibly create a world in which if people actually lived like that, that there could actually be better things, that we could solve a lot of the problems in the world. But if you're a Christian, it goes even further. So Jesus himself, he's talking to his disciples one day. And they're trying to figure out this thing because what's fascinating is disciples weren't very different from us. They're always trying to have like power grabs because they're selfish, just like we're selfish. And at one point in the story, Jesus looks at them and he's, he, they're arguing about this stuff. And essentially Jesus looks at them and he says, listen, if you live a self-centered life, and I know, I have friends, I know a lot of people that live self-centered lives. And, and to be honest with you, there are times where I'm tempted to live a self-centered life myself. If you make your life all about yourself, you know what Jesus says? Jesus says you don't just hurt yourself. You know what he says? He says you lose yourself. That's what he says. In the end, you don't just hurt your life. He says you lose your life. Then in Matthew chapter 20, the disciples, 
they're arguing about who's going to be the most important because that's what we do. We want to be the most important and the most prominent, and we want everybody to look at us and talk about how great we are. And so in Matthew chapter 20, and this is, this is what I want to tell you, he, he hears them talking about this. In fact, one of their moms comes up and brings it up because that's what moms do. And so, um, so again, we as parents, we are, listen, the Bible, that story is a great example. We are doing this to our kids. And many of us are products of parents that did it to us. Just some warning. So, so Jesus looks at these disciples and he, he tells them, okay, do you know how the world works? Do you know how people lord it, their power over each other? Do you know how people abuse each other? Do you know how people hurt each other? Do, do you know why it's true? And I know it's true that everybody in this room probably only has five people at most that you feel like you can trust. Because of the way we hurt each other. Listen, do you know the way we talk about each other behind our backs? Do you, you ever been around people that just trash other people all the time and that's what they do and it makes them feel better about life because they're just as miserable as everybody else? You know those people? Jesus says, okay, think about, think about how the way everybody else works. And he looks at these guys. And I think he would say the same thing to us right now from this stage if he was here. And here's what he says. But not so with you. And what he does is he draws kind of a line in the sand and he says, this is how everything else culturally and humanely, we we have made it all about being selfish and only about getting our own. As long as I eat, who cares if everybody else eats? Like this is the world that we live in. And he draws the line in the sand and he says, but not so with you. You are different. And here's the question that just should drive you crazy. 2,000 years after this statement, after this letter, what if we'd gotten that right? Because we didn't. Imagine what would happen. That statement, I don't have to put it back up, but do you, I'll be honest with you. You're gonna, there are times I just want to punch people in the throat. And like, there's this thing at the back of my mind that just keeps saying, but not so with you. There are times I see people post things on Facebook and I just, listen, I'm just smart enough and I can talk just long enough. I can wear you out. I know I can, but not so with you, right? There are times that I hear things that people have said about me and done to me and the way people have treated me. And I did, do you ever just want to unload on somebody? Anybody? Am I the only one? Okay, this is therapy for me. I mean, at least once a week, I just want to unload on somebody. And then I remember that. And imagine if we all thought and acted that way. Imagine what could be possible. Let's pray.